everybody. Good morning. Man, love it. Excited to be here with you guys. As Jeremiah said, we've been, uh, we've been friends for a really long time. But last night at dinner, I heard something that Jeremiah said, and it, I've never heard it before. And I got to be honest, it's bothered me. And I thought, uh, I'm not sure how I can trust a word this guy says anymore. And the best thing I could do is tell you what that is so that you can make a decision for yourself. Uh, last night, we were hanging out, and Jeremiah says, I, I love chocolate, and I love peanut butter. I just don't like chocolate and peanut butter. Right? Thank you. 20 years of friendship. And I'm like, who are you? Why, who doesn't even do this? Like, I, but what are, so I said, what about Reese's Pieces? He goes, oh, hate them. Hate them. Can't, right? So, hey, you be the judge whether you want to continue coming to Westbridge Church or not. Let me just say people have left churches for less, okay? But uh, it, it bothered me. I had a hard time falling asleep last night. So, uh, hey, it is great to be back at Westbridge. Love what God is doing here and so thankful for Jeremiah and Cherry, their friendship, the staff, the amazing volunteers. Westbridge is an amazing church. It's always an honor to be able to be here and spend some time. And this time I got to actually bring my family. Uh, we got to hang out last uh, night with Jeremiah and uh, uh, all of our kids together. So it's always a special treat for us to be here. And uh, thank you for uh, welcoming us. It's been great to see some familiar faces and meet a lot of new faces as well. So excited about what God's doing here at Westbridge Church. Uh, as we kind of kind of launch into this summer series, uh, I'm going to be talking about something I think a lot of us have an idea for. I think all of us kind of want some of these things to be true of us, um, but maybe we have different approaches to it. And so one of the things we're going to talk about is this idea of faith. And there's a verse that's found in Hebrews chapter 11. It's kind of known as the faith chapter. It talks about all the great heroes of the faith. And, and in Hebrews chapter 11, it, it says this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Think about that for a minute. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But here's what that can also mean, that with faith, God is greatly pleased, right? If it's impossible to please God without faith, one of the things we can understand is that with faith, God is greatly pleased, right? And here's the thing, I think, I think a lot of, especially if we're Christ followers, if we're coming to Jesus. And I know one of the things we love about Westbridge is there's people from all different walks of life at different stages in their faith. And this is, this is a really safe place for you to belong before you even believe. And, and so I know there's a lot of us on this journey, but if you are a follower of Christ, I think most of us would say we want to be people of faith, right? Because we want to be the kind of people that please God. But here, here's where it gets a little bit tricky because when we think of this idea of faith, a lot of us, we have different we have different definitions of what faith may be. Maybe, maybe for you, when you think of this idea, this, this word faith, you think of faith to mean belief, right? If I believe in God, then I am a person of faith. I mean, the only problem with that is that the, the Bible says that even demons believe there is a God, right? So that doesn't actually make us a person of faith. Maybe for you, when you think of faith, you you kind of think of faith to mean wishful thinking. If I just believe something strong enough, God will make it happen, right? And so every time I go and I buy my Powerball ticket, I just sit and go, okay, oh God, the things that I'm gonna do, the good that I'm gonna do in the world, 
I believe, I, I really do believe you want me to be, right? And I think I've got to have enough faith. And if I have belief enough, God's going to have to do it. But that's not how the Bible talks about faith either. Uh, maybe for some of us, when you think of the idea of faith, you think of grand demonstrations, right? The leaps of faith. That if I just take a huge risk, then that means I, am a per- I have faith. I have faith that if I put myself out there, then this is what it's going to be. But, but here's the problem. What we actually find in the Bible is it's not big leaps of faith that make someone a person of faith. It's actually this daily step-by-step kind of thing. To be totally honest, it's actually more of a faithfulness that people rarely ever see. That's actually kind of what God commends. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about just for a few minutes today is, is the kind of faith that pleases God. And, and here's what I just want you to know. The kind of faith that pleases God isn't some big grand demonstration. It's not the kind of faith that believes that God will do what you ask him to do if you just believed hard enough. It's not even the kind of faith that just says, well, I believe, so therefore it must be a person of faith. The kind of faith that actually pleases God is just the kind of faith that keeps taking the next step of obedience. There's nothing really flashy about it, but in Hebrews chapter 11, when we read about faith, just a few verses later in that same chapter, it talks about a moment, a story about a guy by the name of Joshua. And it says this in, in verse 30, it says, by faith, right, the walls of Jericho fell. And it says that after the army had, a, had marched around them, right, just step by step by step, said for seven days the walls fell. But by faith, the walls fell down. It's just step after step after step. And here's what I want to do today. I just... I want to take a couple minutes and I want to share with you this story that Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about and where it comes from in the Bible. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Joshua and the the walls of Jericho. Maybe you're kind of new to church and just kind of kicking the tires of this whole God thing. Maybe you're trying to learn a little bit about the Bible as you go through this process. Let me just kind of tell you what Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about. It comes from a, a chapter in the Bible found in Joshua chapter six. And I'll just kind of give you a little bit of the backstory of what took place. God had promised that he would take his people out of slavery and into the promised land. And and he talked to their leader, Moses, and said, I just want you to walk right into the Egyptian Pharaoh. And I just want you to tell him, God said, let my people go. Maybe you've seen a movie. Maybe you've read the story. Maybe you've heard it before, but that's the movie. It all comes from this passage or this moment in scripture. And the guy who was leading held them all slaves said, hey, I'm not letting these people go. Well, God sent all these different plagues. And finally, after all this crazy stuff, like being overran with frogs, like that's just nasty, right? Locusts, then like blood that went everywhere. I mean, you're like, the guy's like, all right, you know, just take them, take them, take them all. They can go. And so they lead them out of slavery. And the Bible says they they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And now everybody's complaining, going, wait, you, you, you took us out of slavery just so that we can die by the sea? God performs this amazing miracle, just opens up the Red Sea. Bible says they literally walk through on dry land. And and when the Egyptian army came to get them, God kind of swallowed them up with the waters. God's just doing miracle after miracle because he promised them that they would get to this place that would be their own. And so as they get across, Moses and some of the leaders in that time said, all right, let's, let's go spy out the land. They get 12 guys, one from each of the kind of groups, and they send them out. And two guys, one was named Joshua, 
Two of those guys came back and said, hey, this is exactly what God said it was. It's full of milk and honey, and this is going to be amazing. But the other 10 spies said, we can't take this land. People are too big. Uh, The cities are too tough. We can't. We're going to lose. They're going to be outnumbered. Those guys are like giants in our eyes. We're like little grasshoppers. And, And you ever notice how negative words spreads faster than positive words? And so what began to happen is those 10 spies came back, negative report. It influenced 3 million people. Three million people who never actually went and saw the land. They just took the negative word for it. And Joshua and Aaron, or Joshua and uh, Caleb, they're sitting there going, hey, listen, we can do this. But everybody else had already said, no, we can't do it. And so because of their lack of belief, the Bible says that God waited for 40 years. They just kind of couldn't enter in the promised land, just kind of had to wander around the desert 40 years. For 40 years until every person from that generation who doubted God had died. Every person except for two, Joshua and Caleb. The two spies who came for the first time said, God can do this. And so now they're ready, God takes them there, performs another miracle along the way, opens the Jordan River and they kind of cross through again. And now they're standing at the doorstep of Jericho. And this is the promised land. Now here's the problem. They get to the doorstep of Jericho and Jericho was known as the unbreachable city. All they saw for miles was just walls. In fact, historians and kind of uh, archaeologists have kind of rebuilt it based on the findings. And, and let me just kind of show you, this is what they've rebuilt. This is what said the city of Jericho looks like, right? And so these walls are 30 feet high, 15 feet thick. And if you happen to go over that wall or go through that wall or somehow dig under that wall, the next thing you're going to run into, another wall. Right, so you can imagine not a whole lot of people were very confident that they're going to beat this city of Jericho. And this is where Joshua finds himself. Right? He's sitting there going, okay, God, you gave us this land. You used to promise land, but i got to be honest, all I see are walls. Right? Let me just say, you ever been there before? You ever feel like God gave something in your heart? God gave you a promise for your marriage that your marriage is going to make it? Or God said, hey, listen, you raise up a child according to my word and ways. When they get older, they're not going to depart. But the problem is you don't see promises. You just see walls. All you see are obstacles. You're just going, God, I know this is what you said, but I got to tell you, this is not what I've experienced a little bit. This is where Joshua is at right now. And so this is where it starts in Joshua chapter six, verse one. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. Listen to this. Because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out. Now, think about how crazy this is. Why would they be afraid? Right? They're behind this unbreachable city. Right? They're looking down, and they have this group of people that literally have just wandered through the wilderness for the last 40 years, just looking for squirrels and nuts and just kind of kicking the dirt as they walk through. But the Bible says that when these people come, word starts to spread about some of the miracles that God happened. My guess is what happened is you had this one guy, probably from Jericho. He's just hanging out one day, just fishing, fishing in the Jordan River, just kind of hanging out, sitting back, lawn chair. I don't know what, what their version of beer was, probably like a, just a, a rotten wine or something. I don't know. He's just sitting back, just hanging out. And all of a sudden, the waters just start moving. And he's looking at his fish, like climb up a wall. He's like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden, he looks down, and he sees this huge crowd of people, this this guy walking out in the middle of the river with a big old box, and he freaks out. I can picture this guy just running as fast as he can all the way back to Jericho, beating on the gate walls, going, God, let me in, let me in. 
He runs upstairs, talks to all the leaders, going, you're not going to believe this. These guys got a box. They got a box. They just walked this box out into the Jordan River, and, and it just started partying. Like the, the waters just went from one side to the next side. Like by my, my fish, it was, it was a huge fish. It got off the line, but yeah, that's another story. He's like, it's, just, it's crazy. I, uh, these guys, they got a box. Right? And there's probably like this one old guy, because there's always like one old guy who's sitting off in the corner going, oh, that's nothing. I remember the Red Sea. <laughs> and he tells a story about how these guys put this box in the sea and it parted. And all of a sudden, word begins to spread. They're freaking out. That's why the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites and no one was allowed to go in. And the moment that guy came knocking, I think they all kind of wet their togas a little bit. Oh my goodness, it's the box. It's the people in the box. Look what it says, the next verse says, this is why the Lord said to Joshua, see, see, I've given you Jericho. I've given you its king. I've given you its, its strong warriors. But all Joshua sees is some pretty big walls. God sees a city. God sees a king. God sees a bunch of warriors about to surrender. And all Joshua sees are obstacles. See, here's where the kind of faith that pleases God comes in. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that sees a wall from God's perspective, not ours. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that looks at a wall from where God sits, not from where we stand. See, in Isaiah chapter 66, it says that the earth and all that's in it is the Lord's footstool. It is this this picture that is painted of the bigness of God. You see, the, the earth is about 16 billion acres. Jericho was only six. So from where God sits, that wall, that wall is not very big at all. See, the kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that sees a wall from God's perspective, not ours. But I want you to see something. God says, I have given you Jericho, right? Which is a little confusing, right? God is talking in the past tense, right? He's saying, I have given you Jericho, right? Now in third grade, I had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Clausen. Now I remember Mrs. Clausen for two reasons. One, she had a giant inflatable Clausen pickle that she hung from the lights in our classroom. The other reason was because every time you spelled or said something that was grammatically wrong, she said, <laughs> right? Which at, at first you're like, <laughs> right? But 200 days of <laughs> like, I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> ain't, ain't a word, bud, that's what she'd say. So I've had a deep appreciation for grammar and hate at the same time. So when I'm reading this and God says, hey, Joshua, I have given you the city. The problem was God's speaking in the past tense. Joshua's looking at the wall. He's going, you haven't given me anything. Like all I see are walls. All I see are obstacles. God said, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that speaks about my promises as if they have already happened. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that speaks about God's promises as if they have already happened. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. You and I, we don't get to do that about things that we say. 
right? When we get to speak faith by the things of God, when he says it, right? So don't go in tomorrow and just go, listen, at work, thank you. Thank you for that raise that you're going to give me. I just, I'm speaking it by faith. I just want to say thank you ahead of time. Like, right, because, uh, you know, my, my pastor said, hey, or my pastor's dumb friend said, hey, listen, just speak it and it'll happen, right? No, that's not, you don't get to say that about things that we say. We get to say that about things that God says. So when God says, I will provide, we get to take that and we get to speak that faith, even though we haven't seen it happen yet. We don't know how God's going to provide. We don't even know when God's going to provide, but we know he will provide, Right? So that is a promise that he gives. We don't get to say that for us. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that speaks God's promises as if they've already happened. Right? But let's just kind of get real just for a few minutes. It's his promises that we get to put our confidence in. But what do you do when what you see is different from what God said. What do you do when the headlines that you read that evoke some anxiety, some worry, some fear seems to be a lot different than the promises that you feel like God has given to us? Because I think that's Joshua's question. I know it would have been mine, right? He hears what God is saying, that you have given me Jericho, but God, I'm telling you, what I see is a little bit different than what you said. I think that's where faith comes in. But when you have this tension between what you read and, and the promises of God, or when you have this belief that God told you for your life or for your marriage or for your family or for your business or, or whatever situation it is. But, but man, when you look out, the only thing you tend to see right now is a bunch of obstacles. It feels like you see some pretty big walls in your way. What do you do when what you see is different than what God said. I think the faith that pleases God is a kind of faith that puts confidence in what God has said over what we see. That's the kind of faith that moves God. And so God is going to give Joshua some instructions. And he's going to be put to the test a little bit. In fact, what you may not realize is, especially if you're maybe new to the Bible a little bit, One of the reasons that Joshua was kind of chosen as a leader was he was a leader of men. He was a strong warrior. And so for decades before, he would be a leader. He would would give leadership over people. and, And God's about to kind of put his faith to the test. And God's about to kind of give him the battle plan on how he's going to take down the city of Jericho. And you have to remember, this guy was only one of two guys who came back and said, we can do it. God's going to give us the land. And the other 10 guys convinced everyone else to avoid it. And this dude has spent the last 40 years probably going, told you, told you so. Guys, we could have done it, but he had to wait 40 years. I bet every day of those 40 years, he began to strategize. What are we going to do when we finally get to the promised land? How are we going to take the land? He was a military guy. I'm sure he had thoughts about how they're going to attack from this side and how other people were going to kind of flank from this side. And this is how we're going to do it. God's going to give us the land. And, And he's about to hear God's plan. And I promise you, it's going to be a lot different than the plan that he had in his mind. Look what it says next in verse four. God is talking to Joshua. He says, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. You and your fighting men, you should just march around the town once a day for six days. That's it. 
Right now, I, I would imagine in this moment, I don't think Joshua's like, yeah, that's solid. Sounds like a good plan. I, I, honestly, I feel like if, if God was talking to Joshua in this moment, he's probably going, okay, God, thank you for your input, right? It's fine. And, uh, and our tribes, there's, there's no bad ideas, no bad ideas. Uh, but if there were, God, uh, this would be a bad one. But God just keeps going. He says, Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just march around town. Just walk around a big circle. Once a day, six days. Just keep doing that. Then he says, I want seven priests are going to walk ahead of the ark. They're going to they're carry the box. And I want each of them to carry a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. Now I have to think, at this point, Joshua's going, okay, God, let me just get this straight. You're saying, you're saying, this is the plan. You're saying that we get the pastors to go with us first? And God's like, oh, and the ram's horns. And he's like, oh, right. The, so it's, it's Jeremiah and the worship team. That's, that's your plan? We, we, get, we get the worship team, and, and we, just, we just walk around the building a bunch of times, and on the seventh time, the seventh day, you just, you just want us to yell. And God's like, and the walls are going to fall down. Right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Joshua had to be thinking, all right, God, that, that's just not how things work. Like, that, that, that's not really a good plan. Like, you ever been there? God, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I know you've got a purpose. I know you've got, you got a way of doing things, but I got to tell you, it, it's not as simple as that in my life. Uh, the situation I'm dealing with, God, is a, it's a little more complex than the pastors and the worship team that's going to solve this one. So I don't think, as much as I appreciate what you're trying to do and where you're leading me, God, I got to tell you, I don't know that that plan is actually going to work. My, my situation's a little bit more complicated than that. But here's the thing. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that follows God's plan, not our preferences. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that follows God's plan, not our preferences. It, it's, it's the kind of faith that is demonstrated in obedience, especially when we're asked to do something that we just don't understand or we may not even agree with at times. That's faith. And I think we need to understand this, especially in the church world today. It's not faith to only do the things that we want to do. Right? It's not faith to do life on our terms and say, God, I will follow God. I will follow the teachings of the Bible, but I'm only going to follow the parts that I agree with. I'm only going to follow the parts that I kind of think are, are easier for me to understand or God, I got some friends. They don't believe the same thing. And man, I'm telling you, if we could just kind of slide some of this stuff out of the Bible, I think it'd be easier for them to take. Friends, I'm just saying that's not faith at all. That's life on your terms. And God says, that's not the kind of faith that pleases God. That's not faith at all. So Joshua's got a decision to make. All right, do I, do I follow God's plan and God's ways or, or do I follow the plans that honestly I think would be better? I think it would probably be 
make things a little bit easier. I actually think it's probably going to get us to where we want. I think those are some decisions that we face a lot at different times in our own lives. Some moments, some roadblocks where you have to make some decisions. Am I, am I going to put my faith in God's purpose and God's plans and God's word, God's ways, or am I going to do life on my terms? We're faced with those decisions all the time. If you know anything of the story, Joshua chose to put his faith and his trust in God. And so look what it says next. It says, Joshua called together the priests. And he says, I want you guys to take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. I want you to grab the worship team. I want you to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. You know, all the pastors are like, yes, we get to do something. Then he gave orders to the people. Uh, guys, we're just, uh, we're going to march around the town. We've got some armed men who are going to lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Now notice God never said, I need you to put armed men in front of the ark of the Lord. That was just Joshua's way. You ever do that? God kind of says, hey, I want you to do this. And we kind of go, all right, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm also going to kind of add this, God. I feel a little bit better if I put some men who actually know what they're doing, not just the pastors. If I put some, some fighters out there. And God in his grace, he didn't correct him. And he'd go, oh, you idiot, why don't you listen to me? I think God gets that sometimes. I think God understands that when we're, we're taking those steps of faith and obedience, that there's times where we can't help but try to add to it to protect ourselves a little bit. And I think that's what Joshua does. It says, after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the, with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, some behind the ark with the priests, continually blowing the horns. And listen to what Joshua says next. He said, guys, listen, don't shout. Don't even talk. Joshua commanded, he said, not even a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. Now, here's, here's what I think. I, I, I think Joshua was a leader of people. And if you've ever had to lead people, you can relate to this moment where you're about to explain the plan. And I know the moment that Joshua is about to give the plan, the emails are going to start coming. Comment cards are going to get filled out. Google reviews are going to get written. People are going to come and they're going to sit and say, hey, hey, let's talk to you. You think this guy's doing a good job? I mean, have you ever heard of like a, a marching band of pastors going to war? Just doesn't seem like it's right. Can we trust this guy? Like this? And I wonder if there's a part of this where Josh was like, listen, I, I just don't want, I just don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, I, I know this sounds a little goofy, but hey, listen, I don't want to hear it. Keep your mouth shut. Or maybe Joshua knew that by lap two, <laughs> the Jericho people are going to look down from their safety and go, oh, well, maybe we overreacted. Maybe we don't have a whole lot to be afraid of. These morons are just walking in circles. Like there's nothing we got to do. And maybe they were going to start insulting from the, from the top shelf. I'm going to start making fun. I'm going to start teasing the people. And, and Joshua knew that they're human. Their people are probably going to want to start chirping back. They're going to want to start talking back at them and just kind of going, who do you think you are? Right? And they're just back and forth. And maybe he's just going, listen, I don't want you to speak. You're going to be tempted that you just got to clap back every time someone flings an insult or comes at you. I just want you to be quiet. We're just going to do what God has asked us to do. We're not going to argue. We're not going to bicker. We're not going to try to figure out what's the right. We're just going to take a step of obedience. That's all we're going to do. So I don't want anybody talking. I don't want anybody going on. 
I know it's going to seem silly. I bet we're probably going to look silly, but sometimes the, the kind of faith that pleases God, sometimes it's demonstrated in a way that other people think is ridiculous. Sometimes if you continue to take steps of obedience in your life and you, you do what God has asked you to do, you might have some people around you that think what you're doing is ridiculous. But sometimes the kind of faith that pleases God is demonstrated in such a way that others might think is ridiculous. So Joshua, the marching band of pastors, they walk around the city for six days. Right? Think about it. Six days. Every single step they take, my guess is they were becoming more and more convinced that this plan is crazy. This isn't going to work. We're, we're just walking in circles here. And I was reading this not too long ago. I thought, man, I, I got to be honest, God, I, I feel that way sometimes. I feel like I'm trying to do what you've asked me to do, but if I'm being really honest, God, it just kind of feels like I'm walking in circles. I don't see that it's making a huge impact. I feel like I, it doesn't even make sense. You ever been there? You ever, you ever sat and thought, man, God, I'm trying to, trying to do what you want me to do. I'm trying to stay in this marriage. I'm trying to be the kind of husband, the kind of spouse that you want me to be, the cousin. But God, it just feels kind of pointless. Honestly, I just feel like I'm walking in circles. Maybe you're trying to go, okay, God, I, I'm just trying to be faithful in my finances with you. I know everything I have, I have because you've given to me, God, and I'm trying to be obedient, but I'm telling you, I don't know that it feels like it's making much difference at all. It feels like I'm just kind of walking in circles. Listen, this is where faith comes in. The, the kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that just keeps walking when the walking doesn't seem to be working. That, that's the kind of faith that pleases God. It's the kind of faith that just, God, I'm just gonna keep walking. I'm gonna keep doing what you told me to do. I'm gonna keep being obedient. I'm gonna keep putting these things in my life in the right way. And God, I gotta be honest, it doesn't seem, it feels like I'm just walking in circles here. But the Bible says that's actually the kind of faith that pleases God. It's the kind of faith that just keeps walking even when the walking doesn't seem to be working. And, and, and here's what I've often found. I have often found that that moment when I just is going, oh, I'm done. I, I'm done. I, I just can't do this anymore. It's usually in those moments that all of a sudden God moves. God begins to break through in ways that I never would have expected. And that's what happens for Joshua. It says on the, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and they marched around the town as they had done before, right? But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout for the Lord, what does he say? Has given you the town. I love it. Joshua starts talking in the past tense. You notice it? He starts doing the same thing his God started to do. Right? They hadn't given him anything. They are standing there outside. They're walking. They're doing laps around. The walls are still down. And Joshua starts to proclaim the promise that God had given to him. And now he starts speaking in the past tense just like his God. 
And if you know the story, it says that the walls came down as the horns blew and, and people started shouting. Everybody is panicking and freaking out. The Jericho people, they start surrendering themselves. And in fact, in recent years, historians, archaeologists, they've been able to kind of rebuild and dig this up. And they found that when the walls fell, they fell inward, which is really rare. And so people just kind of use them like ramps and they got into the city and, and God did exactly what he said he would do. He just did it in a way that nobody thought was even going to be possible. And I love this story. This story is an amazing story of God's power and this invitation to put our faith in who God is and all that God says, right? And I love this story in Joshua's life. It's an amazing moment for him. But here's what I want you to see. Before God gives Joshua his plans to take Jericho, there were some other moments that defined him. At the end of chapter five, the Bible says that Joshua is just kind of standing there and he's, he's looking out at the city. Right? He sees this huge wall and he's just probably walking along and the Bible says that God appears to Joshua. And Joshua recognizes that he's in the presence of God and the Bible says he kicks off his shoes, he kneels down and he begins to worship God. See, here, here's what we miss. It was actually in God's presence that he found the strength and courage to have the kind of faith that pleases God. He didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm gonna just walk the city. Like, God, it sounds crazy, but I'm such a strong person of faith. I can do what you tell me to do. No, it's actually because he spent time in God's presence where he began to grow and trust that God's word is true and that his promises are yes and amen, that, that God will do what he says that he will do. In fact, there was a defining moment in Joshua's life where before he walked around the city of Jericho, before they even stepped foot into the promised land, God told Joshua to do something right in the middle of their journey. And he told them to do something because God wanted to teach them about where to put their confidence in so that they wouldn't be discouraged when they got to the other side. And so in Joshua chapter four, here's what God tells Joshua. He says, I want you to choose 12 men from among the people. Now this is... This is after God first told him, I want you to choose 12 men and spy out the land. You see, God, God often gives us a chance to redeem some of the mistakes, some of the doubt, some of the disbelief. And so he's like, okay, I want you to choose 12 men from the people, one from each tribe. And I want you to tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests are standing. I want you to carry them over with you and put them down at a place where you will stay tonight. God says, I want you to take these 12 people, one from each tribe, and I want them to grab a stone right in the middle of the Jordan River, right? God's parted the river for them so that they can get through. I want you to take these stones, I want you to carry it through to the other side, and we're gonna build an altar. And this altar is going to remind you, and it's gonna remind every single generation that's gonna follow who God is, what God has done, and why you have confidence in him. That God was with them at the beginning, all the way back in Egypt, God was with them right in the middle of the Jordan River, and God is with them on the other side. Friends, listen to me. You may feel like you're right in the thick of it in your life right now. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're just trudging through some mud, and it feels like you're not sure where God is or what God is doing, and everything in you just wants to get to the other side. Can I, can I just encourage you? Don't miss the fact that God is right there in the middle of your mess. 
He's not just trying to get you through to the other side. Like he's with you from the beginning before you even realized it. He's been with you every step of the way. He's with you in the middle of whatever junk you're dealing with right now. And he's gonna be with you when you get to the other side. That is the promise that God gives to Joshua that, that I will be with you. That God is trustworthy. It's true. His promises are worth committing to. God is who he says that he is, and he's going to do what he says that he's going to do. And maybe for some of us, what we kind of need to do right now is we need to, maybe we just need to build some altars. Maybe we need to kind of pick up some, some stones. We need some reminders that God is with us. And maybe one of the things you're going to have is these little representations and you're going to grab these rocks and you're going to set them up all over your house. And one day your kids are going to ask you, mom, dad, why we got rocks all over the house? You're like, I'll tell you why. Because we went through some stuff. Your dad and I, we had some hard times and you know what? We held on to the promises of God and he got us through them. And I just want you to know kids that you're going to go through some stuff, but the same God who walked me and your dad through it is going to walk you through it. And that is why we put this here. It is a reminder that God is with us and don't ever forget that. Maybe that's what some of us need. We need to pick up some stones. We need to put some reminders around that God is with us. See, this is why God told Joshua in the middle of his journey, kind of that leadership journey for him. He said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. In the chapter, first chapter of Joshua, four times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. You know why you tell someone to be strong and courageous? Because they're not, <laughs> right? You gotta keep repeating, no, 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 be strong and courageous. But here's the thing, God wasn't telling Joshua, be strong and courageous because you, Joshua, you're strong and you're courageous. He said, no, 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 Joshua, Don't get it twisted. You can be strong and courageous because I am strong and courageous and I, your God, I am with you. You see, courage is only as good as what you've put your confidence in. And so God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, not because you're strong and courageous, but because you can have full confidence that your God is strong and courageous, that God has tested He's true, and he can hold the full weight of your fear. He can hold the full weight of your doubt and hardship, the stuck, messy middle. He can handle all of your frustrations. He can handle your disappointments. God can hold it all. And the promise to God is this, is this promise to God from Joshua to Joshua is the same promise that he gives to you and me, that God, God is with you. He's been with you from the very beginning. And he's gonna be with you when you get through to the other side. And man, just, just remember, he's with you right now in the middle. Whatever mess you may find yourself in today. God is with you. God sees you. And he may be asking you to take some steps that just seem crazy. But the kind of faith that pleases God is just the kind of faith that just keeps taking daily steps of obedience. God, I don't get it. I don't even understand it. And I gotta be honest, it sounds a little crazy. But you're trustworthy. You've gotten me through a whole lot before. You're gonna keep getting me through again. And so God, I'm I'm gonna remember the stones. I'm gonna remember the rocks that that represent some times in my life that you helped me get through some stuff. And so God, I, I have faith just 
Help me when I have some unbelief. So as we kind of close today, here's my just encouragement for you. I I just want to challenge you to take a look at your own season of life and maybe look back at the seasons where you sit and remembered some of God's goodness and faithfulness. I want to encourage you, just create some visual reminders in your life of God's faithfulness, of God's, God's power, so that you can be reminded of what you put your confidence in. And when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself doubting, when you find yourself wondering, God, do you even see what's going on? I feel like I'm wandering. I feel like I'm walking in circles here. You can be reminded of what you've put your confidence in. And so today, as we conclude, we have something special we want to give. If you would want to take one, we, we actually have rocks that have come from the bed of the Jordan River in Israel that you can take when you leave today. Actually, that's not true. They're not from the Jordan River. They, we, we bought them at Home Depot, but here's a, wait, hang on. I'm pretty, sure Jor, I'm pretty sure Jeremiah bought them from a guy named Jordan, so. Miracle, I don't know, maybe. Now, if you want to today, here's what I'd encourage, just, just take one of these. Take one of these and just put it somewhere where you can be reminded that God has been good and faithful. See, listen to me. The greatest predictor of our future success is God's past faithfulness. Because God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he do. That's where we get to put our confidence in today. God's not gonna ask you to take gigantic leaps of faith without first learning how to take the daily steps. But listen, you get the power to take daily steps in faith, not on your own strength, not because you're just willpowered and strong. You get it by being in the presence of God. It's in God's presence that he gives you what you need to get you through what you're going through. And in his presence, he reminds you of the ways that he's parted waters before. And the reminders that you get to set to tell others that my God has seen me through. And I think he'll see you through yours as well. Can I pray with you today? God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the strength and the courage that we can find when we look back to remind ourselves of the the great things that you have done. The ways that you have given us victory when all things seemed impossible. God, your promises are true and you will see us through. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks today. I pray for everyone in this room that they would be reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness. And you would encourage their hearts today that you will walk them through no matter where they're at. And that one day they will stand on the other side and they will be telling others of the stones, the markers, the the reminders of your past faithfulness, how you got us through and why we've put our confidence in you. And so Lord, encourage our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.